Welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and master of health education with a focus in eating disorders, and I am your host today. In this podcast, we talk all things nutrition for runners, improving your relationship with food and exercise, and becoming a lifelong injury-proof runner. Now let's get into the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode where I interview Grayson Murphy. If you guys don't know Grayson, I don't know where you've been, (laughs) Um, but she is a professional athlete for Saucony, and she has quite the resume, including having just started running about seven years ago after becoming a soccer player for most of her childhood, and then transitioning into the running sport, to then coming in sixth in the steeplechase at the Olympic trials winning several U.S. and world mountain running championships, and also has a really good name for herself in road and track races outside of the steeplechase as well. Grayson is quite the well-rounded running athlete. She has her feet wet in many different disciplines of the sport. She's progressed so, so quickly since walking onto the team at Santa Clara College just a couple of years ago now. And it was really fun to talk with her today. She is an entrepreneur. She went to school for civil engineering, and she also has a lot of other things going on. We had a great conversation about her career, her trajectory, what she's kind of, you know, looking to do in the next couple of months and for the big picture as well, as well as talking a lot about her training schedule because she specializes in so many different disciplines. Um, You know, we talk a lot about how she is liberal with her rest days, um, and that brings her great success, how less is more in general, and how she just does this balancing act um, as a professional athlete and as a well-rounded person as well. I really, really enjoyed recording this episode, and I thank Koros, our sponsor, for connecting us as Grayson is a Koros-sponsored athlete, and I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Grayson, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope everyone listening knows who Grayson Murphy is, but in case they don't, if you could just introduce yourself, you know, who you are, what you do, and where you live. Um, I'm a pro runner for Saucony and Coro, so that's how we got connected, and I live split my time between Bozeman, Montana, and Salt Lake City, Utah, for the most part. Um, And I run on the track, the road, and the trail. So uh, you'll see me kind of a little bit of everywhere throughout the year. And yeah, I think that's it. Nice, nice. Yeah, and you're from Utah as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I know you've bounced kind of all over the country a little (laughs) bit. How many times do you think you've moved since you left for college when you like graduated high school? I think it's, I've counted eight. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's so a lot it's of times. One a year. Yeah. It's been one a year. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's pretty epic. I'm, I'm at two and I'm like overwhelmed. So <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like. Well, I'm excited to talk with you more today. Um, you know, about your background, but also like just your uniqueness, um, you know, in the sport of running, I will be the first to admit I, you are not on my radar. I started running around the time that you did, um, about six years ago, five years ago or so, something like that. And I heard your name first at 
I think the Olympic trials and the steeplechase. And I was like, oh, steeplechaser, cool. And then I was like, wait, now she's winning mountain world championships. Wait, now she's on the <laughs> roads. And I was like, I need to know more. So um, I'm really excited to talk with you more today. But could you kind of take us way back a little bit? Um, since, like I said, you started running not all that long ago. Um, and could you tell everybody like what your background is like with running and how you kind of got into the sport? Yeah. So I, uh, my sophomore year of college, um, I played soccer all growing up and I played soccer in high school and my freshman year of college for a D3 school in Virginia. And then that just, I wasn't loving it. Didn't like the school, didn't really like the sport anymore. It wasn't, um, I think a lot of college soccer players will tell you it's not the same as playing in high school. It's quite a different scene. So just wasn't into that anymore. So I transferred and still wanted to be on a team of some sort um, to make friends. So I thought, well, the only team I can feasibly walk on to at the D1 level is probably running. So I emailed the coaches at my new school and asked if they would kind of give me a chance. And they were more than happy to let me join the team for a couple workouts. And then, yeah, the kind of the rest is history. So um, I graduated from the University of Utah. So I did end up transferring one more time. And now I am still running. <laughs> Seems to have stuck. And I was going to say too, I think um, was the college that you went to in Virginia originally, was that Sweetbriar? Yep. Yeah. I actually looked at that school too, for, um, for riding, I grew up riding horses, um, and they had a really good program, but yeah, I kind of, I went there and I was like, it's kind of small. I don't know. And I ended up in New, <laughs> in New Hampshire, which is why I live here now. But, um, yeah, that's funny. And like, do you ever miss like, you know, running is kind of a different sport in that you can be on a running team, but like, it's not like you're a team-based sport necessarily. Do you ever miss that aspect or do you like the solo part better? No, I definitely miss teamwork and teammates. And um, I think the closest you can get with running is cross country. And I don't even get to do that on a team anymore. So yeah, I definitely miss the team aspect a lot. I get jealous when I go to the park and I see people playing soccer. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And like, I think people can relate to like, again, you're in a bit of a different situation since you kind of burnt out maybe of a previous sport and then started your professional career a bit later than the traditional, you know, elite runner, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of what, what parts made you start to kind of get tired of that sport and like, what was so fun and new, I guess, and what kind of hooked you into running? Um, I guess probably partly is the teamwork aspect and it was really novel to me that running didn't depend on other people and it was all up to me which was both cool and also scary and still is cool and scary Um, but I do like that and I also like that running isn't as political I think in soccer at least in Utah um, I was always told like, oh, you're not my playing style, or there'd be certain coaches who would favorite people just because um, there's no black and white, it was pretty subjective. And um, I was always told I was too small to play soccer. So then flip to running and it's very black and white and very objective. And that's nice because no one can ever tell you, um, well, you're not a 430 miler if you are. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, Your results speak for themselves and people can't like knock you down in that way. 
Yeah. I think that's awesome. I, I agree. I kind of burnt out of writing <laughs> as well for similar reasons, super political, wicked subjective. <laughs> uh, and the, the kind of instant gratification of improving and running and having it just be, you know, kind of about your own results, I think is really relatable. Um, and in terms of like, you know, when you started running and you first are kind of walking onto, um, the team, like, what was that like? And did you see, like, did you see yourself becoming a professional athlete in running or is that something that's like totally novel to you? Um, well, I started as probably one of the worst people on the team because I had no training under me. So I think the longest I had run up until I joined the team was three miles at one time that I ever tracked, maybe more on a soccer field, but um, there's like breaks. So continuous running was three miles. And I didn't even know professional running was a thing. I didn't know that was a, a job option <laughs> for people when I started running. Um, I'd seen the Olympics, people running track, but I didn't really put it together that they got paid to do that. So yeah, it definitely was not, I didn't start the sport thinking I want to be the best at this. I started it because I wanted friends and um, a social group and a way to spend my time while I was in college that wasn't like at a frat house. So <laughs> that's kind of why um, running yeah, took hold. And then I learned all those things eventually, but. Yeah. I mean, at what point did, were you like, oh, maybe I could be a professional runner? Like at what point did that hit you? Well, after I learned that that was a thing, um, I think it was my, it was the year I transferred from Santa Clara, which was the school I started running at. Um, I had made the first round of nationals, regionals, what we call it, in um, two events. And I was like, wow, I'm getting pretty good at this pretty quickly. And if this trajectory continues, I think I'll be very good at this. So I'd like to at least try. And at that point, I learned that it was a thing. People could get paid for running. Um, and I was enjoying it enough to where I thought, like, oh, that's something I think I would like to try. Cool, cool. Did you ever see, like, when you were kind of navigating soccer, were you thinking you might become a <laughs> professional soccer athlete until you burned out and then it changed or were you not even thinking about professional athletics no yeah never I I was way too small people I had a hard enough time getting on a college team um and I just heard every coach was like you're too small you're too small so yeah I never dreamt about playing professional soccer um and I studied engineering in college so I fully um was committed to having an engineering career and doing that, um, at least until running kind of shifted priorities with engineering. Yeah. What kind of engineering did you go to school for? Civil. Civil engineering. Nice. Do you still like, you know, use that part of your brain at all in your day-to-day -day life or is that kind of just like not the priority right now? Um, so I'm in grad school right now. So I do use it with that, but I'm not working. I have had a couple um, part-time engineering jobs since I've been pro but they were just for I say for fun and people laugh at me but they literally were like a way to use my brain in that way because I get pretty bored and I don't like just watching tv all day so it's like a fun little brain teaser puzzle that I can do for a couple hours a day and um, not go crazy that's awesome <laughs> yeah I love it well and I, I agree I mean you're you're 
you know, training schedule, I think kind of speaks for itself when it comes to getting bored and not wanting to do the same thing over and over again. So, um, I'm excited to get into that, but yeah. So, I mean, like when you were, you know, kind of transferring from Virginia to Santa Clara and then to Utah, I mean, how did you navigate just like, that's like a lot of moving for someone who is, you know, kind of going into college. And then also you're starting this, you know, new athletic endeavor, like, how was that from a standpoint of like, how do you navigate that financially? Like what was like making friends and like family connections and doing long distance things like, how was that? It was a challenge. Um, and I just had to keep reminding myself, like it's all mindset, just like one thing at a time. And there are definitely times I got overwhelmed and was nervous and scared. But um, I think what really helped was just trying to, focus on each new thing as kind of looking at it as an adventure and not something scary and just a way to learn something new. Um, kind of having like a newbie mindset and just hanging on to that as much as I could, not putting too much pressure on myself. Um, yeah, so I think that helped a lot. And then my family is amazing. So they're just supportive of whatever I decide to do. They're not runners. So when I told them I want to run in college, they were like, why would you want to do that? Um, but they've been so supportive ever since. And um, the long distance thing is pretty hard, I'll have to admit. And I'm a big family person. So that is something I miss them a lot. And I think that's why I keep kind of ending up back in Salt Lake so that I'm closer to them. Because um, I realized that was kind of my anchor, um, my community. I kind of need that to be okay. So um, yeah, I think realizing that too is kind of an important step. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can relate to that too. We just tried to move to North Carolina for a year and I, we, we're back in New Hampshire now. So, <laughs> and I, and I don't like the winter. So, um, yeah, there's definitely those certain things that make home a little bit just better. So you don't have to focus your energy on trying to make it, you know, a certain yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, I was going to say too, so kind of take us through, you decide to become, you know, a professional athlete, a professional runner, like what kind of was your specialty at first? Like, you know, tell us about, you know, kind of where you went from there with Saucony and NAZ elite, um, you know, in the trajectory of that, um, up until where you are right now. Um, let's see. So I guess in college, I, right off college, I signed with NAZ elite. So that was my first, um, pro opportunity and they're very, strength-based um, program. So they do road and track, not, I think a lot of people think they only do road stuff, but they will tell you and I can contest, they are great on the track too. Um, so that's kind of what we did and it was all distance running and I didn't do steeplechase there. Uh, right out of college, I was a little burnt out of steeplechase cause I felt like we kind of really um, beat a dead horse there. Yeah. <laughs> and, so I didn't do any steeplechase with them. Um, I actually only ran on the track with NAZ Elite once um, in the 10K. And then the rest was road racing and cross country. So all like distance, which is all kind of similar to what I did in college, um, minus steeple. And then my I after a year there, it was just not, again, I think the support system thing was, I realized I was really missing that and being in Flagstaff, that was pretty hard. So I decided to move back to Salt Lake and walk out of the NAZ Elite contract. And 
So I was unsponsored for three months while I was working to kind of make a name for myself individually. And on my birthday, I thought it would be fun to do a trail race because I've always thought that would be fun. Um, I've never done a lot of trail running before, <laughs> especially not the kind that the race entailed. I had no idea what I was in for. And I ended up getting second. So it was really fun and realized that it's something I wanted to keep doing. So that's kind of where my trail career started. And then a couple months later, I ended up winning US and then World Mountain Running Championships. So that kind of sparked my relationship with Saucony because they were sponsoring the US championships at the time. So I got to meet Saucony there and um, I won. So of course that looked really good and it was just so cool. I love the people I met. So it was a really fun meeting and um, signed my contract with them in October of 2019. And then I've been with them ever since and on the road and the track and the trail. Um, and then this was my first, we didn't have track during 2020 with COVID. So um, this was my first track season. And I finally got to steeple again after a couple of years of no steepling. So that was pretty fun. Um, did not intend to, at the beginning of the season, my intention was just to make Olympic trials, but by the end, the goal was to try and make the team. So um, I definitely like, exceeded my own expectations I think in that process of um being away but I think I will do track again so it was fun fun time this spring yeah I mean what like a plethora of like different activities (laughs) yeah awesome um yeah and like with your you know so you started doing um you know more steeple focused things with the intention like you said to you know make it to the Olympic trials with Saucony um, and then, you know, you ended up sixth at the Olympic trials, which was amazing, <laughs> way better than just showing up and being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was really fun to watch. I think we have like a couple big names in steeple that we think of and like, okay, like they're, you know, really dominant. And then to see just a couple other names, um, you know, really shine. That was really cool. And like you said, it was just after a year of nothing happening. So, um, that was really fun to watch. <laughs> And like after, you know, the um, outcome of the trials, you know, how did you kind of shift gears since then? And like, what does your training schedule look like right now? Um, So I took a couple weeks off after trials or down weeks. It was a long season and then had a road race here in Salt Lake that I do every year, which is really fun. And then a couple of trail races, um, U.S. Mountain Running Championships. So I got to win that again which was really fun to go back to back and then we were supposed to have um world mountain running championships but it was postponed i just found out today until next november so we've got over a year now to go so um that's why i went to europe this september because i knew that wasn't happening so i got to race first time in europe that was such a cool experience the mountains there are spectacular um the mountain running scene there is a lot different than in the U.S. there's a lot more people that know what mountain running is and they're fans of the sport um it's not ultra running (laughs) I think a lot of people in the U.S. think uh that it's the same thing and I don't run ultra (laughs) so um yeah that was a cool experience and then now um I've got a race this weekend on Saturday the New York 5k and then 
I'll do Xterra World Championships in Hawaii in December. And that's our Team USA event for the year. That's our consolation prize for no world championships. And then, um, yeah, then I'll just have a training block through the winter and then we got to decide what to do for the spring. So TBD on that one. That's awesome. So you're like, okay, I'm going to run up and down some mountains and then, you know, we're going to come to New York city and do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to go run up and down some volcanoes in Hawaii. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I like that you clarified that like mountain running and the mountain championships you're talking about are very different than ultra. So can you just like dive into some of the differences and like what the terrain looks like for these uh-huh. races that you're doing and to your surprise, what it was like at your first one <laughs> that you signed up for? Yeah. So ultra running is anything in the ultra community, I would say anything over 50 K, um, which is 31-ish miles for people who do miles. So it's over a marathon. And generally those take pretty long time. You're going slower, obviously, because you're running for so long and they can go up to hundreds of miles. So that's the ultra running scene. Mountain running is typically under 15K, I would say, Um, up to half marathon, but usually a little shorter. So 10 miles or less. And so it's short, it's fast, it's intense. It's, I kind of like to compare it. Mountain running's like an 800 on the track and ultra running's like a 10K if you are like want a track comparison. So um, it's fast and quick and uh, it burns really bad. And then as far as terrain goes, the mountain running is steep and there is really steep stuff and ultra stuff too, but I think it's just, you're going so fast up and down it that it kind of feels like a different terrain. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the main difference. So my races typically take less than an hour and a half in the mountain. So you're not out there for too long, which is perfect for me because I'm not ready to be running for seven hours yet <laughs> yet, <laughs> yet. <laughs> that's awesome check back um, later <laughs> yeah check back in with me in five more years yeah um, <laughs> that's awesome well yeah and thanks for clarifying that so I love the comparison of it's like an 800 on the track because it's like it's an hour to an hour and a half but it like burns the whole time um you know, <laughs> You're really kind of redlining the whole time. So for those races too, like, you know, you have your like Saucony sponsorship and Koros, um, obviously they make great watches for like mountain running and whatnot and multi-sport. Um, like what kinds of gear are you carrying for something like a mountain race? Like, do you have poles? Do you carry your fuel? Are there aid stations? Like I kind of know, you know, we know what it looks like for ultras because I think they are maybe a bit more glamorized in the U S but what's it look like for mountain running? So no poles. Um, I think you're typically moving so fast that they would just get in the way, especially on the descent. Um, it'd be kind of dangerous to have poles hanging out. And then um, I don't usually wear or bring anything unless some races I'm required to. Like in Spain, they're pretty strict on their safety protocols. So I had to wear a backpack with an emergency blanket, a change of clothes, a cell phone. Like there's, it was extreme, um, but that's... <laughs> a one-off and the rest of them usually don't have to bring anything. Occasionally I'll bring uh, a gel just in case if it's getting to that 90 minute mark, I would like to have something to make sure I can finish strong. And then usually there also are aid stations. So um, you don't have to bring anything because you can get water 
Um, I don't really stop. Usually I like grab it and keep running and throw the cup, but yeah, usually there's stuff and it's pretty quick. So you don't need a ton with you. Nice. Nice. That's good to know. And I love the Spain race. It's like, here, sign this waiver and bring yeah. this pack. With you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have like, um, like a preference in terms of like where you like to mount and run the most where you like to do your races? No. Um, I think it's cool to see the different mountains. Cause it seems like every place loves their mountains. Like it's something special and unique. So even in Utah, I think like I have the Utah mountains tattooed on my arm. So I think it's um, really cool how people really kind of love their mountains and they want to show you theirs and everywhere I go, they're different, but they're still mountains. So that's cool. And um, the Pyrenees was pretty gorgeous, I have to say. So if you have a chance to run in the Pyrenees, I would do it. <laughs> yeah. And bring a change of clothes and a cell yeah. phone. Um, <laughs> emergency blanket, uh, whistle. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, we were, we have the white mountains in New Hampshire and I've always thought of like, Oh, the mountains, like the white mountains. That's like what I would think of. And then my husband and I went to, um, Colorado for the first time this past year. And I was like, Oh, uh, <laughs> these yeah. are very different. <laughs> um, but yeah, so beautiful. And you're, you're right. I think everyone like loves their mountains that yeah. they are familiar with. Um, so like you run in so many different ways, like you do steeple, you do track, you do road, you do mountain races. Uh, maybe we'll do ultras one day. Um, (laughs) a lot of things, you know, seem to be like shorter than the marathon distance. Um, you know, like, do you ever see yourself more specializing like in a specific event or do you like kind of keeping it? Yeah, I think I like keeping it interesting. I don't see a reason to have to pick one, maybe for small chunks of the year, like I'll do track and then I'll specialize for steeple during track season. But I don't see a reason to run steeple all year round because that's not feasible and it's not very fun because then I miss out on a lot of the fun stuff. Um, And I think part of the reason I do well at races is having fun. That's pretty important to me because like I said, the reason I started running was to make friends and like do something fun with my time. So I need to make sure I keep that as kind of my focal point for everything. Um, Cause then everything else kind of falls into place. If I can keep that in perspective, I have tried to specialize. I think that was part of being a little burnt out in Flagstaff was just, it was too much of one thing and that's not me. It's not my personality. I get bored pretty easy. Um, I need new stimulus. And as long as I can prove, I think that I can handle the different disciplines at the same time, I don't see a reason to pick one. That being said, I would like to run a road marathon eventually um, sometime soon. So that would also be like a chunk where I would commit to specializing to marathon training during that time. But as far as like a year goes, I think I'll always kind of dabble in everything. All right, let's just take a minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Coros Global. So what's Coros, you ask? It's a premium GPS watch known for its insanely long battery life, like such a good battery life, you guys, it lasts like weeks, durability, and streamlined app experience. To pay homage to their dirt-loving athletes like Grayson Murphy, today's guest, 
while inspiring new feet just like yours to hit the trails, Coros is kicking off hashtag no pave November, a global initiative to get people playing on softer surfaces. Even the fastest road marathoner in the world, Coros Pro-sponsored athlete Elliot Kipchoge, trains on the dirt. And so does Grayson Murphy. We are talking so much about her, you know, diverse training plan and how it's been serving her well from a recovery and injury prevention perspective. And she is super strong. So playing on the dirt definitely helps. <laughs> Whether or not you currently rock a Coros watch, use the hashtag NoPaveNovember on Instagram and Strava to celebrate your off-road adventures this month. If you're lucky, Coros will even share your content in their weekly No Pave November roundup. So visit the link in my show notes to learn more and use code FITCOOKINUTRITION at checkout to receive a free accessory of your choosing with the purchase of a Coros watch. Just make sure you put the accessory that you want right in your cart and use that code FITCOOKINUTRITION at checkout. And again, the link is in my show notes. Now let's get back to our guest, Grayson Murphy. Yeah, that's really cool. And and I think like the argument that you probably hear is like, well, if you just specialize, then you would be even better at a certain event, but you're like, well, I'm winning races. So whatever, yeah, you know, okay. I, don't need, I don't need to. Um, <laughs> I think there's something to be said too about, um, there's a great book, I forgot the name of it, but it's that people that are um, generalists tend to do better, whether that's like they they did an experiment and they gave um, chemists a math problem and the chemists solved it better than the mathematicians did because they had a different perspective coming at the problem. So I kind of see that with running too. I get different strengths from doing the different things that I wouldn't get otherwise. And I think that helps me. It doesn't hurt me. So that's, that's fine. Sense. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, it's working. So, and <laughs> you said a post recently on Instagram. Um, I think I wrote down some of the stats you said, like, you know, averaged about 59 miles per week, like over the course of the year, you took 47 days off. None of them were from injury. You came in, you know, the top six and most of your, I think all of your races, except for one. Um, and you raced a ton too. And you were talking about in that post around like burnout and <laughs> point of taking rest days. And I think this speaks a lot to, you know, maybe your, your perspective on keeping it interesting and you're training for different things and doing different things. Can you just talk a little bit about like, what does your training, you know, kind of look like? And, you know, cause I think people look at this and they're like, Oh, 59 miles per week. Like that's not ridiculous. It's not like 130 miles per week. So talk a little bit about that and what you have found works really well for you. Yeah, so I think um, keeping in mind that my training age is always a little bit younger than my peers has been important. And my college coach, who's my coach now as well, he's still coaching me, has really emphasized that. So um, he had me at low mileage in college. And I think his thinking and my thinking too that I've adopted is um, less is more and efficiency is a really great tool so let's get the most we can out of as little as possible so that you can run for as long as possible um not let's run 130 miles a week just because and see what happens so um he's been great in kind of guiding me that way and um if i think our thinking is if anything be overly cautious not underly cautious so if something hurts i get it fixed if it's if I'm feeling sick, I take the day off. Um, 
So that's kind of where like those rest days come from. If you add it up by week, it totals to a little over more than one per week. And I don't take one every week, but I also just take them liberally as I see fit. So that also can mean if I'm feeling kind of burnt out, I might take a day or two off, just off. Um, and that helps me and it makes it so I can have long seasons and I'm not getting to the end, hating the end of the season. Um, I'm not injured. So I think that really helps. And I've just had to learn the hard way that that's what I have to do because I've had seasons where I didn't do that. And I'm like a month out from the end of the season and I hate everything and I just want to be done and I'm so tired and my body hurts. So um, it, yeah, it's a learning process for everyone to kind of figure out what works for you. And the miles per week too, I think I average that many. Um, but then there are weeks where I run 85 miles a week and there are weeks where I run 30. Um, so I think that too is kind of important. And that's why I keep a training log and I'm pretty on top of that because with the mountain running too and switching disciplines, when you start running a lot of vert, the hours really go up because it's taking a lot longer to run eight miles on the trail than on the road. So kind of translating that um, and making sure like training volume, not just by miles, looks a bit more consistent. So that might mean like 30 miles up 5,000 feet of vert every week as compared to flat on the road. So yeah, I think there's like a lot of variables and that's just kind of like what I found works for me, but I wanted to share those because I do think even I see a lot of my peers and other pro runners posting that they're doing 130, 20 mile weeks. Um, and I think to myself, oh my gosh, do I need to be doing that? Is that, and if I'm thinking that, I have to imagine other people are thinking that too. So um, yeah, that's why I wanted to post it to be kind of like, a well, here's a different example, just in case you're feeling bad that you don't run crazy mileage every week. Yeah, it was much appreciated. I was like, everyone, look at this post. Uh, yeah, no, I as a I'm a personal trainer and a dietitian myself, and I work with runners, so I do hear a lot of that comparison trap, which I think you talked about in your post, like falling into the comparison trap for the sake of running miles is like shooting yourself in the foot. You know, it's not it's not necessarily doing what's best for you. It's just doing something because other people are doing it, and I really like the conversation of like your coach and you talking about your training age. Um, yeah. So, I mean, also like with your training age, if you just started running, you know, kind of when you were 20 ish years old, um, mm -hmm. you know, and you've kind of kept it maybe a bit lower mileage, a bit more conservative for the most part with some learning curves, I'm sure, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and kind of learn some things the hard way, like, you know, we have your physical training age and then what's like the mental side, like, you know, how has that been going in terms of, you know, becoming a professional and having a lot of success and then also having to learn things. And it sounds like also, you know, you're kind of maybe on your own a lot of the time too. Yeah, that is a very interesting question. I would say that's been my mental training age has been the difficult part to manage because I did have a pretty quick trajectory to success. So that was hard to kind of cope with, I guess. I didn't have um, that middle school and high school time where maybe you're granted 
maybe you're not a, a phenom. So everyone that's not a phenom where they get high school to kind of feel things out and explore and get used to racing. Um, I went from racing at a D1 level, then to the Pac-12, um, and then to racing at all the D1 national championships all within three years. And that was kind of hard adjustment for me of like, wait, but in my head, I'm still a junior in high school, basically. Um, mentally, this is how I'm kind of coping with this. So I have felt like that's been something I always have to kind of work on fast forwarding to try and eventually get it to catch up. And I think now I'm going into my seventh year of running, it's starting to catch up. Um, but yeah, being, and then being a pro after only really three years of serious running, that was kind of hard mentally on me to realize like, oh, this is your job now. It's really serious and important. And, but you've only been doing this for three years. So imposter syndrome was real and uh, it's slowly fading, but it's still there and something I've like really had to work on for seven years now. Yeah. I mean, I bet it, it feels like probably zero to a hundred and then all of a sudden you've got sponsorships and yeah. things on the line. You know, I was going to say like, what kind of was the difference for you between being a collegiate runner and also a brand new runner in general, and mm -hmm. also now you're a professional runner? Like what's kind of the mindset shift that you have found yourself having to make? Well, so at the beginning, I think I was really told and a lot of pros at the beginning are told coming out of college, like, this is your job now. It's serious. This is your livelihood. And so it, it had a more serious tone to it because in high school, if you don't do well, or in college, sorry, if you don't do well, it might suck, but there are no real life consequences, really. Um, if you have a bad race where when you're not sponsored with enough to be able to pay rent, and you are relying on doing well at races to make up the difference to pay your bills, that's a lot of pressure over hanging over you to perform. So that's a different mindset shift. And I think I kind of realized um, I can't race like that. That can't be like what's motivating me, whether or not I um, can't pay the bills or not. Like that can't be what, what I'm stepping on the line for because it didn't really turn out that good. Um, it was okay, but I didn't feel good. And it was a lot of uh, mental challenge. So I have since realized that back to the fun thing, it needs to be, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. I'll figure out the finances later if I need to, but that's not why I'm doing this. So yeah, hopefully if you're a pro, new pro listening to this, um, don't get too carried away. I know it can be stressful, but there's fun out there. <laughs> yeah. And I think it is a mindset shift. And like, that's something I can relate to just from like an entrepreneur standpoint. Like mm -hmm. if I was like, all right, I'm an entrepreneur now and I'm showing up every day to make money. Obviously, yes, that's important. I have to pay my mortgage. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but it's like, if, if that's like the mentality, then that's just going to cause so much anxiety and burnout. And I probably would end up talking to cool people like you. So, you know, it's, it's about having fun and making connections. Um, yeah. And talk to us too, a little bit about that side of you. Cause I know you're also an entrepreneur and you have your training logs out for 2022. So how did, how did that start? And what's that like for you? Yeah. So that was, I was making a bullet journal, um, in 20, 
18, the year I graduated, I was bored again, classic uh, MO for me. And uh, people were asking me where I bought it. And I was like, no, I drew this, I made this. And so then I thought, oh, I could share this with people. It's helping me, it's fun, um, might as well. So I made the first round and I barely broke even probably. Um, and I had my grandma like loaned me startup money and then I was able to pay her back and then probably didn't make any money for myself, but it was a fun project and I had a cool response from the community. So uh, I've been doing it. This is the fourth edition. I have one special edition too, but um, so fifth this year and it's just grown every year and been so fun and such a cool way to connect with the running community and also, like you said, a cool project for me to kind of be creative and have fun and um, learn how to do business things. I was not my major, so it's been me fun neither. To, yeah, <laughs> to kind of flail around and figure it out, but it's fun and um, a cool challenge that I don't get to do anywhere else. And I've always been kind of an entrepreneurial kid. I always tried to sell stuff as a kid. So this is like a little kid dream come true for me. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like an actual product that like you yeah. created too. Mm -hmm. And very useful. I mean, if anything, you have a cool training journal, you know, if, if yeah. nothing else fails and like, I'm, yeah, I like love a good planner. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's really cool. And do you like, you know, do you have any like plans for that like entrepreneurship side of you and for the specific journal? Is it like a cycle that you found yourself getting into a rhythm with or do you have any goals with that? I think it's been fun. We do have kind of a rhythm. I've um, one of my college teammates has been helping me the last couple of years with the design stuff. So it's been cool to work with her because we've kind of got a good system going now. Um, and I would like eventually it's getting so I still do all the shipping and packaging mostly myself. This year I had to hire some of my family members because it's getting too big. I can't handle all the orders. Um, so I would eventually love to kind of out start outsourcing things to where I can just be more of like the ideas person and then um, production and shipping and stuff can be helped with because that is probably the worst part of it um I have to admit but worth it for the end product <laughs> good problem to have yeah. having too, too many to ship <laughs> yeah. yeah that's funny whenever I do like a physical product like merchandise or something I like joke with my husband I'm like well I'm gonna go to my second home the post office and I'll see you yeah. later <laughs> yeah. yeah every day <laughs> every day they like start to know me and then I just yeah for a while. Um, yeah. And like when you, I mean, when you're training and when you're going through like periodizing, you know, you're training to whatever it is that you're training for at that specific time, whether it's like mountain race or trail race, you know, like, how do you balance everything? Cause you said you're working part, part-time for fun, you know, with your civil engineering background, and then you're also doing your training logs and you're also a professional runner. Like how do you time manage? And like, do you, do you feel like you have it all figured out or I think, um, well, so I'm not working part-time while I'm in grad school. I'm not working part-time while I'm in grad school because- yeah. In grad school, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> that was too much for me. Um, so I de didn't want too much on my plate. And so I have kind of learned like what my limit is. And sometimes I toe that line pretty closely, I think. Um, but I, I've always been that way. And 
even in college, having engineering and then running D1, that was, I had to learn time management or there was no success for either of those things. So that helped a lot. Um, now I feel like I have way more free time than I did in college. So it's difficult, but I think, again, back to the training logs, not to keep harping on them, but um, that's why I have the life and the training sections in there, because for me, it's important to see like what the whole day looks like, not just the few hours that I'm training. Um, so if I'm really tired one day, I can look back and see like, well, I did have six Zoom meetings, I guess, the last two days, and I ran 30 miles, or just to know like what your overall body stress load is, um, is important for me. And I think people like, miss that out. So if you're working full time to consider that, not as part of your training, but in your training considerations, um, and how to move forward. So that might also be why my training load is typically a little lower than most pros, because I do think I do more stuff outside of running. So I don't think that's a bad thing, just something to kind of consider if that's your jam. Yeah, that's so, and that's so important. And I love that you say that and put that like an Instagram post for the world to see, like it's all stress, like it's all going to impact, you know, what you're able to recover from. Um, and even if it's like, okay, the zoom meetings maybe aren't always fun to stress, but the running is more fun or some days maybe the running's not as fun and the zoom meetings are more fun, but you know, it all kind of applies, um, bringing into the conversation about mental health and kind of managing stress and having that all, you know, impact what you're able to do in training. Um, you know, I know you've been open in the past about struggling with an eating disorder. Um, you know, how, you know, how, I guess someone who maybe is feeling the pressures of, um, you know, not having the most optimal mental health, or maybe they are struggling with body image or some more internal things. Um, you know, what can you bring to the conversation about that? And do you have any like resources that helped you get through or any role models? Uh, I guess the first thing I would say is um, reach out. I don't, it could be a family member or a friend that you trust and feel comfortable with. Um, there are lots of healthcare professionals too, who I think that should be one of those calls, but I think it's helpful too, to reach out to people who you feel like care about you in life too and just be open. I think, um, I think it was Brene Brown that said that shame kind of thrives in secret. So as soon as you're vulnerable with people, um, shame can't really exist. So if you can be open and vulnerable and just start talking about it, that's a really great place to start and then take the steps that you need. Um, cause that's going to be different for everyone. For me, it was, um, finding role models, people, making sure like your social media isn't filled with terrible examples. So find positive, uplifting people that you want to aspire to, not people that are feeding you not so good things. Um, there's a lot of negativity on social media. And I think if you are looking at someone and it makes you feel bad about yourself, there's no need to follow them. So um, yeah, finding people that are like you is important. Um, and then I guess too, like the mental health stuff, checking in with yourself and giving yourself time to be okay. And um, that's also, I take off days. Like I said, sometimes I'm just feeling burnt out and that's okay. And I think people need to get over the workaholic 
part of themselves and that they have to train every day that if you're not feeling it, it's okay to take an off day. Because for me, I think my mental health is more important than my running career. Um, and my health in general is more important than running. So that's kind of my priority structure and reminding myself of that is important because that's not always how I have felt. And I don't think that everyone always feels that way, especially when you start to get to higher levels of competition. It can feel like running is more important than your health, which sounds crazy, but um, it just it's easy to kind of fall down that hole and then kind of get stuck and you can't you don't know which way is up. So, um, yeah, being open, checking in with yourself, reaching out. I think those are great places to start. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate to like, you know, you even thinking of yourself, like just to use you as an example, like I am Grace in the runner, but also Grace in the person like needs mm-hmm. to be healthy too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, that speaks to just to the the growth in yourself as a, as a professional athlete, because you have to think about, yeah, there's a lot on the line. I do need to push myself hard, but also playing like the long-term game is, game is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what we saw with Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka this summer. Um, that was so cool to see them stand up for that. And they took a lot of slack. And I think it really shows the ignorance in the sports fan community um, that they, don't even know what it's like to be a professional athlete and to have that spotlight on you and that pressure. And we are still human beings with feelings and goals and aspirations that don't have anything to do with our sport. And I think it's fair that we can take care of ourselves. Um, You wouldn't ask anyone else to go to their job and be depressed and having panic attacks every day just to go to work and office job. So why would you ask a professional athlete to do their job in that way? Um, people don't realize, I don't think that it's it's still a job. So yeah, it's fun. It's a cool job, I have to admit, but it's still a job. <laughs> yeah. And to your point too, like if you are showing up or Simone Biles, heck, if she's showing up and she's not on her game, you know, her doing flips through the air is a dangerous idea. Yeah. Like it's dangerous. Um, or you, you know, going and like running up and down a mountain, like that's dangerous. You could fall down, you can, you know, physically injure yourself and, and, you know, jeopardize the rest of your career. So yeah. I really appreciate for you bringing that to the conversation. Um, and so, I mean, in terms of like, what's, you know, next for you, it sounds like we can look for you, um, at the, the New York city five yeah. um, yep. very soon, which is exciting. And then, um, also in the, um, Dexterra or Xterra championships in Hawaii, um, which is that course, is that like the one where there's still like Jurassic park, like stuff on course? Yeah. So it was, that's usually the course and this year it's on Maui instead of Oahu. Oh, cool. So it's a new course, but yeah, the Jurassic course, Jurassic park course was crazy. It was also where Black Hawk Down was filmed. So there was a Black Hawk too. And cool. it was fun. It was like a little tour while you're racing. Yeah. It's very like entertaining. I'm yeah. sure <laughs> that's so cool. Well, we wish you the best of luck in those adventures and tell us, um, you know, tell people where they can find you and also your training logs. Oh yeah. So I'm racing Grayson. It's my handle on all social media, um, two underscores. And then my website has the training logs, also racinggrayson.com. So tried to make it easy. <laughs> it rhymes. I like it. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I want to ask you the end of the podcast question, and then we'll let you let you get going because I'm sure you have a lot to do today. <laughs> um, 
you know, so, all right. So we are crossing the finish line of like the best race of your life. It was just one of those dreamy days. And I want to know what song would be playing at the finish line to embody what you're feeling <laughs> in that moment. Oh gosh. Oh, I'm terrible with favorite song questions. Cause I think it changes like almost every day. Um, What's the mood? <laughs> probably something fun that you could dance to. I, so I really like this song lately that I heard in Germany. It's like a German hip hop song <laughs> called hypnotized. Um, writing this I, um, <laughs> yeah it's called hypnotized can't remember the name of it's a German band but it's like kind of electronic techno but makes you want to dance so I would want to dance at the end of a dreamy day like that love it I love the vibe <laughs> I'll have to look that one up because then I get all these answers and I can just keep adding it to my own playlist <laughs> yeah that's perfect you should make a podcast playlist for everyone to share I should. I should. I might do that at the end of the year, actually. That's a great idea. We've gotten like so many different answers too. Everyone has like a different mood at the end of the <laughs> Really good. Um, well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, and I look forward to seeing all the things that you're going to do, even just in the rest of the year. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Grayson, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Coros Global, thank you so much for connecting us and making it happen. Again, guys, if you are looking to try out a Coros watch product, I encourage you to use the code FITCOOKINUTRITION at your checkout so that you can get a free accessory with your purchase. Just make sure that you put that accessory in your cart when you go to checkout with the code. And you can also visit the link in the show notes to see more about that. Now, if you have been loving this podcast, I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It just helps other people, um, other runners just like you find the podcast and know too that when you support a sponsor using my podcast um, you know, episode discount code or free accessory code or a link, whatever it is, know that you are directly supporting the podcast when you do this as well. And it allows me to keep making these episodes for you guys, interviewing um, everyday runners and professional athletes too, just like Grayson and doing the solo episodes as well so that I can provide you with some free content that hopefully is very helpful. And hope everyone's having a great fall and winter season so far. And until next time, happy running. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.